Saturday mornings from 10 to noon on WRKN, Picayune, New Orleans, 106.1 Nash Icon. Good evening and welcome to All Access on 106.1 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com and presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics, and by Francesca by Katie's, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. All Access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner, Bergeron Automotive in Metairie, by Lifegate Church in Mandeville in Metairie, by Premier Automotive, with locations throughout the New Orleans area, Segnet Landing Restaurant and Swamp Tours in West Wego, Petri Transport Services, John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge, by Life Resources Ministries with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area, and by the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk intelligent sports, all sports, all the time. To join in the conversation, call 504-260-1061. Now here's your host, University of New Orleans play-by-play voice, Jude Young of CrescentCitySports.com and Cumulus Radio New Orleans. How are y'all doing? Good to be with you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure on these Tuesday nights. And uh, certainly with the weird situation with the weather yesterday, I was hoping to be with you in a different form. Uh, Last night with UNL basketball, wound up having a great game that was moved up to early afternoon to try to beat the worst of the system that rolled through here. Wild temperature changes, hail high winds, you knew it was one of those days. And fortunately for the privateers, not one of those days in the negative. Big win for them, 88-85. to And we know all games and postmortems of games have storylines. For UNO, they were missing two starters due to injury. And after a tough defeat in the opener to Southeastern, they really needed to win in their second Southland Conference game. So... They dug deep. They found a way. Their star player, Jordan Johnson. If you haven't seen Jordan Johnson play, by the way, either check him out on ESPN Plus or go to Lakefront Arena, even better, and see him in person. Special 6'1 senior guard. 36 points he scored yesterday. Got more of an audience for it because it was a standalone college basketball game yesterday. So that was kind of cool. But we're not here to talk about UNO, even though this is the home of privateers, basketball and baseball on the airwaves. That was a storyline, right? Star guard has huge game. Two starters missing. Game moved up. We had all sorts of storylines for the New Orleans privateers and Texas A&M Commerce. Every game has varying degrees of storylines, and what did we have this past Sunday? Saints in Atlanta still alive for the playoffs going into the game. The winner would be still alive anyway, potentially. Atlanta needed to win and they had to have the Buccaneers lose at Carolina. The Saints either needed Tampa Bay to lose or a combination of a couple of games to go their way in the late afternoon window that didn't. Saints blow out. They're our tribal. And then what we thought would be the post-mortem. Saints finished the season strong. They have a winning season. 
but they still underachieved overall based on their schedule and collection of talent. And folks wonder whether the leadership on the field with Dennis Allen is going to be good enough for this team to really be able to contend in its current form. But then something crazy happens late in that blowout win that's been talked about and talked about some more since then. That make it a topic of discussion here on Tuesday night with the Saints season over. Instead of a quick sort of synopsis of we saw the best of what the Saints can do but against a weak schedule, so we still don't know what this team is capable of with Dennis Allen as the head coach as far as can it be better? Will there be changes to the offensive staff, including the coordinator, the play caller, the way Derek Carr played late in the season? Does there need to be if you're going to stick with the status quo? Already saw some reports that maybe John Gruden, who knows, maybe rumors more than reports could be the solution there as an assistant, right? Crazy to think about somebody who's suing the NFL right now doing that. But instead, our storyline does at least circle back to what the main topic of discussion was going to be in this market about the New Orleans Saints right now. And that is, is Dennis Allen fit to be the head coach? Fit to be the leader on the field for this franchise? Not because he's not a good guy. Not because he's not a capable X's and O's football coach. But leadership, vision, the whole package that it takes to be a head coach, including having control of your football team, being the man in charge. I think that's been questioned the whole time. Bumped up from defensive coordinator after a failed head coaching stint with the Raiders organization. Replacing... Somebody that, without a doubt, was in control on airline. In control of what was going on with that football team for 15 years. With Sean Payton in charge, you didn't have to worry about whether he was in charge. And then you see Saints players flippantly, that's the word I want to use, flippantly defy the head coach. Not like strenuously argue, we really want to get Jamal Williams a touchdown. He hadn't scored one all year. We really want to do this. It's like, no, take a knee and then go out on the field and go, we made a team decision. As Jameis Winston put it, we made a team decision to get Jamal his touchdown. So not only, yeah, not only thinking it over because you're not making this team decision, you're not doing what a leader of a football team would do, which is even though you could argue whether it was breaking some sort of code of etiquette, what you should do at the end of a blowout. If the Saints would have lined up in a regular offensive formation and handed the ball to Jamal Williams, some feathers may or may not have been ruffled. But the argument of, well, just stop them. I've heard that so many times. If you don't like it, just stop them. That argument would, well, it wouldn't fall on, I think, so many deaf ears here. Saints didn't do that. 
the Saints players didn't do that while countermanding the order of their head coach. They still lined up in victory formation, telling the other team, hey, don't come across the line of scrimmage and hit us here. We're just taking a knee to run out the clock, game over, and then handing it to Williams so he could score the touchdown. You expect the Falcons to just stop you, stop anybody when you're signaling, hey, we've got enough points, we've gotten you pretty good here in the second half, (laughs) we've dominated you, and we're good. Tyron Matthew tackled at the one-yard line on his interception return. Okay, fine, game over. Typical football etiquette. Show knee, take knee. Instead, your players decide to do something that hadn't been done since Buddy Ryan, who wasn't known for being classy, wasn't known for being respected for the type of man he was, certainly as a type of coach, but the type of man he was as a coach around the league. Yes, I know, the players loved playing for Buddy Ryan in his stops, particularly when he was a coordinator, because his defensive players were always going to love Buddy Ryan. But he did that many years ago to run up the score on the Cowboys back in the 80s. Fake the knee, Randall Cunningham throws touchdown. That's the head coach doing that at least, right? Because Buddy Ryan always had the feel of, I don't care what you think, I like being the bad guy. This wasn't even that because the head coach didn't want that. And his players did something dirty anyway. Again, we're not arguing the merits of the Saints going for a touchdown. We're arguing the merits of, one, how it was done. And more importantly, bigger picture, because none of that crap, because that's what it is, nonsense really matters. It's not going to affect, in deference to a a great colleague that I, I won't name, love him as a journalist and a person. Oh, you've got to play him again two times next year. Big deal. That's not going to help Atlanta have a better chance to beat you or not. They're not going to be any more fired up to beat you. If they're in the same situation where they have a big lead and they want to do you dirty to get you back and pile on, so be it. Okay, fine. Still going to call it, count for a loss anyway. It's not a loss plus because you lost by one more touchdown. One piling on, rub it in play. It's not important. What is important and shouldn't have been lost in all the other aspects of it And, again, it's up to the Saints. It's up to whoever actually makes the decisions around there in the end, whether, you know, Jameis Winston is brought back to be a backup or not since as the quarterback who's beloved by his teammates, we know that. In that situation coming in off the bench, he was the ringleader of it, and he owned up to it. So, again, let the the organization decide on that, too, and we'll debate after the fact there. But... As of right now, the question is pretty clear. Would that have happened if Dennis Allen were the type of leader that he needs to be as a head coach? The leader that he needs to be not only to prevent awkward, maybe even embarrassing moments like that from happening, but to lead this football team, the big question, what he's hired to do, lead this football team to be really successful. For him and his career, 9-8 and is a whale of an accomplishment, unfortunately, as a head coach so far. But you will never see an easier schedule than the Saints had this year. And with their talent level, 
they should have finished nothing but first place in the NFC South. They should be preparing right now to play a team that's falling apart last year's NFC champions, near Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles, and be in a good spot to beat them. Their defense is a mess. Their offense is mistake-prone. Their head coach, Nick Sirianni, was a hero last year, but now being questioned, the coordinators who helped make that happen were pretty important. And he's being questioned. Who knows if he's, let's say they lose to Tampa Bay, he could go from taking his team to a Super Bowl and almost winning it to losing his job. That could happen. Sounds like high standards that you want to hold in the NFL. If the head coach isn't making the right decisions with his staff, isn't keeping his football team together, if there is anything other than unquestioned, we're all pulling in the same direction going on in the locker room, then yeah, it's the National Football League. That head coach could be in trouble. And yet here with the Saints, we're supposed to just accept that, oh, well, 9-8 and eight in the end, you know, great. Good finish. Good last couple of games. Good enough. No. I was already going to be questioned whether that was good enough. As the Saints are middling again for a third straight season. Not good enough. And it starts with the leadership because we're not questioning the overall talent in the NFL with the schedule they just played. The Some of those parts of the equation should have led to a playoff berth. And it didn't. And even though the Saints finished well the last couple of games, so what? When it was... All, on the cusp of being over, that's when you play your best football the last two games? Really? Yeah, that's not good enough. So sure, the organization wants to run it back. But what we saw at the end of the Falcons game has to be pointed at as, hey, this really does lead right into the big question, post-mortem for the 2023 New Orleans Saints. Do they have a good enough head coach? Everything it takes to be a successful head coach. Just being likable, that's certainly not enough. I mean, how likable were some of the great coaches in history? I got news for you. Think of, let's go back, oh, I don't know. In the end, Vince Lombardi, right? His players loved and respect him. But it was tough love. A lot of times he wasn't described as likable, but it was tough love. And that was a different era of coaching. That carried over even into the 70s. Who was the best team then? Who were, who were the best teams? Just think about it. Team of the decade, the Steelers. Chuck Knoll. Was he known as a likable guy? Not you know, oh, man, I just like that guy. No, he's always a great coach. Wasn't always likable. Wasn't always friendly. Not saying that he was mean or unlikable, but Terry Bradshaw might say that. <laughs> For one, Hall of Fame quarterback who led that team would say that. But they still won. I mean, Tom Landry, the stoic leader, not exactly warm and cuddly, not exactly somebody that, that – players would describe as, oh, the, the word that would come to mind would be likable. 
That's maybe your best quality? No. Bill Walsh in the 80s, likable? No. He was cutthroat. He was ready to get rid of Joe Montana in 1987. The Joe Montana that led him to two more Super Bowls. The legend. The best quarterback of his era. Ready to go. Next guy. Got a steal of a trade for Steve Young. Ready to make that move. Almost did. Bill Parcells. Likeable. Come on. Bill Belichick. Let's go to now, right? Bill Belichick. Likeable? Way down on the list of qualities that people would point out about Bill Belichick. Most successful coach of the last two decades. That's my point. You've got to have the full package of being the boss. It's tough. It's tough to be the boss. You've got to gain the respect of the people working under you. You've got to make tough decisions. you got to be cutthroat sometimes to make moves. Is that Dennis Allen? Nobody describes him like that. And when you look at all the numbers, you see a guy who's one of the least successful head coaches in the history of the league who have coached as many games now as he has. I'm not calling him flat-out terrible. I'm just saying the the proof's in the numbers, and the Saints right now are in a stretch of mediocrity where the organization feels like they've got more than just mediocre talent. The results are mediocrity. Schedule will not be easier next year. It will be almost certainly more difficult, even playing your own division because Atlanta got rid of their guy, didn't give him good quarterbacks to work with, Atlanta didn't get the job done in the end. And there were other reasons why Arthur Smith deserved to be fired. Offense was supposed to be his forte and the way he didn't get the ball to big investment draft pick playmakers and the way he handled his quarterback situation on top of that wasn't good enough. So Atlanta moved on, period, the end. Cutthroat business. You're not good enough. We need to find better. And Atlanta's got a base of talent there that if they make the right hire, they could jump right past you. Not so sure about Tampa Bay still. I think they took advantage of everybody else's falling short in the division, including the Panthers. They look like they're in a lot of trouble. They have bad leadership at the very top. David Tepper is a bad owner. That's good news for the Saints. Unless he hires the right coach, gives him full power, and that coach has success. Then that owner might finally back off, stop meddling, let his ego take a back seat for a little while and enjoy being successful finally. Because they do have a good defense. Have a good offseason uh, off adding offensive weapons. Carolina could get a whole lot better. And maybe give Bryce Young a chance to be at least a decent quarterback, even though he'll never be worth the number one overall pick and trading up for it. That's good news for the Saints. If C.J. Stroud were there, the outlook would look more bleak for the black and gold. But again, the teams you're playing, the other divisions you're facing, based on the rotation of the schedule, to think better is going to come next year when you're not going to change 
the head coach and how many of the things you're doing are done. I don't know about that. And it all points most recently to that moment at the end of the season finale. You can't deny that some of the coaches who brought Lombardis to their organizations that I rattled off, can you imagine any of those guys having that happen to them? Having to answer for that in the postgame. Having the the player who led that charge, that moment, just confidently and defiantly, and this is not a judgment of Jameis Winston. That's not the point. The point is, would that have happened to Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, Chuck Noll, Vince Lombardi, right? You can go back through the generations. Modern day now. Would that have happened to Kyle Shanahan? And if it would have, what would the organization there in San Francisco, for example, done? John Harbaugh, Super Bowl winner. What would he have done? Andy Reid, come on. How would he have responded? What would be the repercussions for the players? Because I don't think there's going to be any repercussions here. Saints may have decided one thing or the other on Jameis Winston anyway, and they probably aren't going to change their mind. It's just going to fade away. They don't care. But it does point to the fact that the questions that are not just local, they're around football. More than questions. Snickering was already going on about the quality of the New Orleans Saints head coach, or lack thereof. And we have one more data point. One more moment that you slide over to the negative column when you're putting together the positives and negatives of the current head coach of the New Orleans Saints that don't reflect well on the argument that the Saints have a good enough head coach to move forward with their plans to compete. They're not tearing anything down. They're going for it again in 2024. And you know what they say, if all that evidence is right, what do they call it when you keep trying to do the same thing over and over again and you get the same result? The word, it's a pretty harsh one, is insanity, right? 504-260-1061 is the number. 504 260 1061. Had to talk about it. Not a whole lot of fun. Not a whole lot of fun to see the Saints miss the playoffs again. They'll pick 14th overall in the draft. And they won't be taking whether you're mad on Derek Carr, you love him, or you can't stand him. If you're in one of the two categories that aren't so favorable, don't expect it to be a quarterback. Saints need help in the trenches still. I know, I know. A lot of you are thinking, does it really matter at this point? Not a good vibe. Not a good vibe at all. More coming at you when we return here on All Access. I mean, at some point, we've got to start talking about other sports, right? Basketball. It's basketball time. National championship last night. Football's over for a while. Let's talk hoops. We will when we return on 106.1 FM. Inside New Orleans. If it's New Orleans sports, culture, food. Inside New Orleans with Eric Asher is talking about it. Weekdays at 4 on 106.1 Nash Icon. And available online anytime.
at NashFM1061.com. <laughs> My dad has a cold, but also has high blood pressure. That's why I got him Vicks Dayquil High Blood Pressure for max strength daytime relief. Unlike some ordinary cold medicines, it's specially formulated for people like my dad. Dayquil High Blood Pressure is sugar-free, alcohol-free, and decongestant-free. Vicks Dayquil High Blood Pressure. The daytime, non-drowsy, coughing, aching, fever, sore throat, cold and flu for people with high blood pressure. Like my dad. Medicine. Use it directed. Did you know gas goes bad in as little as 30 days? Bad gas can cause rough starts, poor performance, or no starts at all. Stable, America's number one fuel stabilizer, ensures quick and easy starts after storage. Stable's proprietary formula keeps fuel fresh for two years, outperforming competitors. Whether it's your car, truck, boat, lawnmower, leaf blower, weed trimmer, ATV, motorcycle, or anything else with an engine, when you store, start with Stable. Denise has been playing jazz for 40 years. Last concert, one of the musicians fell sick with RSV. Respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, is a highly contagious virus that can lead to breathing problems. This time, she's choosing to help protect herself with Pfizer's RSV vaccine, Abrisvo. Abrisvo is a vaccine for the prevention of lower respiratory tract disease caused by respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, in adults 60 years of age and older. Abrisvo is not for everyone and may not protect all who receive the vaccine. Don't get Abrisvo if you've had a severe allergic reaction to its ingredients. People with a weakened immune system may have a decreased response to Abrisvo. The most common side effects are tiredness, headache, pain at the injection site, and muscle pain. Ask your pharmacist or doctor about Pfizer's RSV vaccine, Abrisvo, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine. For full prescribing information, please call 1-844-989-7284 or visit abrisvo.com. Brought to you by Pfizer. Denise has been playing jazz for 40 years. Last concert, one of the musicians fell sick with RSV. Respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, is a highly contagious virus that can lead to breathing problems. This time, she's choosing to help protect herself with Pfizer's RSV vaccine, Abrisvo. Abrisvo is a vaccine for the prevention of lower respiratory tract disease caused by respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, in adults 60 years of age and older. Abrisvo is not for everyone and may not protect all who receive the vaccine. Don't get Abrisvo if you've had a severe allergic reaction to its ingredients. People with a weakened immune system may have a decreased response to Abrisvo. The most common side effects are tiredness, headache, pain at the injection site, and muscle pain. Ask your pharmacist or doctor about Pfizer's RSV vaccine, Abrisvo, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine. For full prescribing information, please call 1-844-989-7284 or visit abrisvo.com. Brought to you by Pfizer. When the final horn blows at the Allstate Sugar Bowl, the action is just beginning as another jam-packed year of Sugar Bowl activity lies just ahead. With over 55 annual events, including all Louisiana high school state championships, the Sugar Bowl support of amateur athletics adds up to big fun and big dollars for our economy. From the Crescent City Classic to lacrosse, sailing, basketball, and more, the Sugar Bowl has something for most everyone. For more on the great things the Sugar Bowl is doing, log on to AllstateSugarBowl.org. Sponsored by Allstate, Taco Bell, and Dr. Pepper. 
This report is sponsored by Discover. Did you know Discover wants everyone to feel special? That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. All right, good afternoon. Uh, Crescent City Connection between Manhattan Boulevard and Harvey Canal. Left lane is blocked and traffic is crawling from Terry Parkway. Left lane is blocked on 90B West past Manhattan Boulevard due to this crash. Crash, working a crash on the shoulder now, westbound I-10 Veterans Boulevard, uh, eastbound I-10 near Pontchartrain Boulevard on-ramp, accident working as well. Uh, so slowing that we're seeing. I'm Michael Higgins, New Orleans Funeral and Cremation Service Traffic Center. Calling all listeners, what's on your mind? We'd love to get your take by calling Jude Young of PrestonCitySports.com and all access on 1061 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Call 504-260-1061. You heard the number. Always love to hear from the folks all year long. Let's start our new year right with the first caller with me hosting the show anyway. Now since we're back on our normal rotation, and it's Tim from Baton Rouge. Tim, what's happening? Hello, how you doing, Julia? I've spoken to you in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Happy New Year, man. What's on your mind? Yeah, Happy New Year. I've been trying to call, but, you know, just haven't been able to get through, you know. Um, I know you watched that game last night, huh? Yeah, you know, I I sort of, even though the game didn't wind up being one-sided to the end, you know, I sort of was fading out of that one because I really felt like you could see exactly what Michigan needed the game to be, where they needed to dominate up front. You could see it relatively early that this was going to be a tough chore for Washington and their defense was going to have to hold up over four quarters. So, yeah, in the end, but it's not fun football to watch, especially when you're thinking about a college championship and you're hoping for uh, more consistent fireworks. But all credit to the uh, Wolverines. I thought it was a down year for college football, and they were clearly the most consistent best team in the country. So the hardest thing for them to deal with, I think, was the fact that, you know, you have this epic game against Alabama that goes to overtime in the Rose Bowl, and you've got to get your act back together and actually win the title. You couldn't let that make you feel like you'd already done it. You'd already cleared the hurdle. Yes, you got past the semifinal this time. You're in the championship, and you'd just beaten Alabama in a game like that. And that's why Jim Harbaugh's a good coach and a coveted coach he had his team ready to play and uh they did what a team that had more talent particularly when you talk about along the line of scrimmage uh is supposed to do and they certainly deserve their national championship yeah i mean uh you think it would be the difference if if the michigan was playing georgia but pete you can't guarantee that because they could uh ended georgia i mean they beat the team that beat them so michigan well so. there's look kalen DeBoer, what he's done as a head coach and having a quarterback like Michael Penix, who uh, I think will show better in the NFL. I'm still a big fan of his future in the pro ranks. What they were able to do was tremendous. And look, Washington had to go through a much tougher week-to-week schedule than teams like Michigan or Georgia, for example, left out of the playoff. I'd say even Alabama. There were more teams on the schedule because of the depth in the final year of the Pac-12 that could actually beat you. So they were challenged. 
they they had to step up. They had to beat a very good Oregon team twice. They had to win a shootout against a USC with Caleb Williams that can put up a lot of points on you. They met these challenges. They won at times with their defense, like against Oregon State, like against their arch rival in Washington State. So they were a complete enough football team, but what you saw there was, you know, a team in Michigan that's one of the blue bloods and powers of college football that's going to have highly ranked recruiting classes versus a team in Washington who by far had the lowest ranked recruiting classes of of recent years of all the teams considered, including the controversy with Florida State. So you saw that on the field. Michigan had more talent. And, yeah, I do think that Georgia, if they make the playoff, makes a lot of noise and maybe wins the whole thing. But they picked, based on the combination of merit and quality, what four teams would make the playoffs. And quite honestly, Georgia had a very easy schedule. They they weren't challenged much. And when the one game they had to win, they knew they had to win, comes along at the end in the SEC championship game. They blew it. And I know they were upset about not getting a chance to win three in a row, but this Georgia team wasn't quite as good as the last two. But do I think if they'd have made the 14 playoff that they would have been anything less than my favorite to win it? No. But it, that's why now we, in part, not just because of the money, but why – we have a 12-team playoff now. Who wants these type of controversies? Let's get all the teams that are truly deserving to have a chance to play for it in one big bracket and let them decide it. And It's kind of funny. We had the biggest controversy of the four-team playoff era in the last year of it. Yeah, I think if Georgia would have made it, based on what I saw from Michigan, that I think Georgia would have won it. So you think Georgia could beat Michigan? I don't know. It's not guaranteed. I think... No, 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 no. That's just my opinion. I, I, I'm not uh, pounding the table, so to speak, for that. But I do think in the end that Georgia was probably a more complete team and with a month to rest and prepare, maybe get Brock Bowers a little healthier and make him more. You saw what Georgia did, albeit against the Florida State team that had some important opt-outs. They didn't just win. They yeah. destroyed Florida State. They showed you what Georgia is, which is one of the – clear-cut top powers in the country. And year to year, they're going to have more talent than a Michigan. As as much as Jim Harbaugh, if he stayed at Michigan, let's say he signs his extension, doesn't go to the NFL, and he stayed at Michigan and he builds off of this and he keeps winning, he still won't be able to build the teams at Kirby Smart with the advantages of where Georgia is, what league the, the Georgia's playing in that the Bulldogs are going to have moving forward. And I think that would have played out this year if those two teams would have played, quite honestly. I think Georgia was better than Alabama. They had a better quarterback. They had the better ability to attack you offensively and could have done more against that Michigan defense and held up up front. That's just my opinion. Far from a lock, but I would have picked Georgia. So is Michigan how to recruit a class? No, they don't. don't. Yeah, oh, they do. But I think you see how Jim Harbaugh's made it work. You know, going into uh, looking at the Big Ten and you're wondering why hasn't Michigan until recent years been as consistently powerful and dominant in their league and a national power, a player on the national level. Why hasn't that happened until very recent? Well, Jim Harbaugh figured out, you know, I'm not just doing this because it's Michigan tradition that we're going to play physical football. We're going to be run first 
and rely on defense in the running game. He didn't just do that because he believes in it. He did that because he knew it was the only way he could build the type of team at Michigan that consistently contend at the top of the conference, try to out-physical and punch an Ohio State in the mouth because you've got to get by the Buckeyes, who, unlike Michigan, have more of a talent base in their own state. They have it easier from a recruiting perspective. They have the state to themselves as far as a power school, whereas Michigan, just the very presence of Michigan State costs you some talent when you talk about building the type of roster that you need to play with the biggest of the big boys year in, year out. So what Harbaugh has done there is tremendous, and he did it the way he knew it had to be done to be successful at Michigan, not just because that's sort of a historical fact to look back on. He knew it was the way they needed to do it today, and he matched up against an Alabama team that had a limited quarterback. That helped, and not the best version of Alabama we've seen in the past, what, 15 years under Nick Saban. Good enough to still take advantage of a weak year, win the big game they needed to, and really catch Georgia on the right day and get into the playoff. But as big as an accomplishment that that is for Michigan, I think if they would have had to deal with Georgia, it would have been a completely different animal, and I think the Bulldogs might have been too much for them because of their limitations with speed at the skill positions on offense, their lack of a dynamic offense. That's going to hurt you in most years, but it didn't hurt them this year because of the overall weakness of the very top teams in the country. I think they've had a lot of problems keeping Florida State out of the end zone if things would have worked out for the Seminoles. They don't lose Jordan Travis. The Seminoles make the playoffs. It would have been even harder because that level of speed and just a little better overall talent level on the lines of scrimmage, that would have been tough. The Wolverines had it all sort of work out for them. Ohio State didn't have a good quarterback this year. I mean, they let him go on the portal. He wasn't good all year, and you had the best receiver according to experts, although Malik Neighbors at LSU would argue differently. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. in the country and other studs and a great running game. They had a lot to work with, and they still – weren't good enough, and nobody expected them the way they were playing to be able to beat Michigan. It was all set up to be Michigan's year. Yeah, another thing, too, is that these opt-outs, I, you know, like I'm not taking nothing away from Missouri they did win, but it's just that wasn't the, you know, Ohio State's A-team, you know, with the backup quarterbacks, and then he going out and Harrison in St. Now playing same thing in Florida State, you know, it's like I'm not knocking Georgia. Like, they did beat them, but it's like that was like a detail. I think if they would have had like it would be because Florida State got elite talent, you know. They, oh yeah, they look, I, you're cat. exactly like, right. TCU, they not they not TCU. That's that's a small private school in Texas. Florida State got talent. They got yeah. So they get big touch. It's just that they had a lot of opt outs in it. The game and they had and they. They had their third string quarterback, and then they like a lot of they see a lot of people transfer portal. And it was like a D team. And it's really ridiculous. That's the, in the reflection of the score, you know. That's a very I good think point. If they had the and I don't. Team, that would have been a different game with Georgia. I don't in a, in any way or argue against that point. You're right. You can only use those non-playoff games as a very small point in a bigger argument. My point is still Georgia. Georgia could have scored a hundred in that game. And uh, Florida State didn't have the level of opt-outs that, say, uh, you know, LSU had 
after the end of Ed Ogeron when they only had, what, 38 scholarship players for their bowl game against Kansas State, for example. They still had some talented players on both sides of the ball, but they were annihilated. And I think that speaks more to how good Georgia at its best could be. And this, for them, which is scary for everybody else, this, for them, was a reloading year. We can't say rebuilding year with Kirby Smart anymore. But it was a reloading year, and I still think if they'd have gotten in that 14 playoff, they'd have won it. I, I believe in Carson Beck. I, I'm a little surprised he's going back to school. I think he has the ability to be an NFL starting quarterback. I don't know how good, but from what I saw from him throughout the year, he does a lot of really good things, and I think he could have been good enough with the talent around him to maybe give Michigan more than they could have handled. We didn't get to see it. Michigan deserves to be the champion. The combination, again, of merit and ability they faced the other three teams that made it into the playoff and the committee took a lot of grief for that process but in the end the combination of merit and ability you had to let texas in you certainly had to have washington in and alabama earned their way in over georgia that didn't play a good enough schedule to afford that sec championship game loss and not pay for it because washington went undefeated because Texas had beaten Alabama and won their league with one loss and has that level of talent that they've been NILing and building up very quickly. Not like Texas didn't have the talent. So Michigan deserved it. But you asked, you brought up Georgia, and that was the first thing I thought. I think if Georgia would have made the playoffs, a few weeks to prepare, they win that little four-team bracket. But we'll never know. Michigan earned their way to be the number one seed in the that 14 bracket that was put together, and they certainly earned the national championship. And only the NCAA can take it away from them, but that has nothing to do okay. with what they did on uh, the field. That's a completely uh, different story. <laughs> is, um, is J.J. McCarthy, is he coming back to uh, college, or is he going pro? Well, you don't, they don't know yet. Uh, what name was that? I'm sorry. J.J. McCarthy, a quarterback for Michigan. Uh, I haven't heard definitively on him yet. Uh, he's getting extra time because – Teams in the playoff with late bowl games get a little extra time. So I haven't heard the latest on him. And we got to take a break. So thanks for your call. Finally, good to get you in earlier in the show. I know you called late a few times when we haven't had the time to squeeze you in there. McCarthy's another story altogether. I I don't see it. At times he was talked up as a top 10 pick. I don't, I don't see it. I, I just I see a guy who reminds me more of some of these Alabama game manager types. Uh, even though he's a good athlete at the position. Um, that said, maybe he's Mac Jones, and maybe you could argue Mac Jones if he'd have been in a better situation in New England. The last few years would be a decent NFL starting quarterback, but decent NFL starting quarterback feels like McCarthy's absolute ceiling. We never know until they get there. That's why Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, is the quarterback of a team that's favored to make the Super Bowl who was in the MVP race. Guy was drafted last in the seventh round. We don't really know until they get there. But, uh, yeah, McCarthy's never done anything for me. I guess we don't really have a chance to know just how good he can be until he gets out of that system. That's for the scouts to figure out whenever he is draft eligible. 504-260-1061, the number. We promised basketball. We had some more football, so we had to get to it. We'll talk hoops in a moment on All Access. We all hear the radio ads about the IRS. They tell you to be afraid, to be scared, and they try to frighten you into calling. 
I'm not here to do that. Tax Relief Advocates is different. TRA is here to tell you that if you owe money to the IRS, whether it's $5,000, $50,000, or $500,000, we have a solution. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in your car, at work, or with your kids. No matter where you are, call now. 800-575-8695. Don't lose hope. TRA can eliminate or reduce what you owe to the IRS. There is zero risk to you. If we can't reduce your tax debt, then you pay nothing. Our passion is taxes and helping individuals fix their IRS problems. We have a five-star rating on Google and Yelp and an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. You don't need to be afraid of the IRS any longer. End your tax nightmare today by visiting us online at tra.com or call 800-575-8695. That's 800-575-8695. Tax Relief Advocates, real solutions for real people. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles, with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, CarShield is announcing a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-736-6158 now. Drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Call us for your free quick quote today. 800-736-6158. That's 800-736-6158. What do you have to lose? Call 800-736-6158. Again, 800-736. 6158. This report is sponsored by Indeed.com. New year, new hiring needs? Indeed's end-to-end solution helps you attract, interview, and hire candidates all year round. Schedule and conduct virtual interviews right from your Indeed dashboard. Learn more by visiting Indeed.com slash credit. Eastbound 610 from Metairie to New Orleans East. Eight minutes, about a four-minute delay. Six-minute ride eastbound I-10, Allegiant Fields to the high-rise. Fly over the high-rise has taken 11 minutes and a 15-minute ride eastbound 610 from the split in Metairie across the high-rise at this time. Accident working St. Claude. At Lessup Street, we have an accident going to give us a little bit of a delay. Uh, Otherwise, traffic flow doing a lot better this afternoon. I'm Michael Higgins from the New Orleans Funeral and Cremation Service Traffic Center. This is where you get all access, not just the focus on one or two topics. All sports are on the table with your calls at all times. Join us now by calling 260-1061. Now back to Jude Young on 1061 Nash Icon through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. Well, the Pelicans, we're going to get to see them more on local TV. We're going to get a chance to sort of dive into their season where it feels like fingers crossed. They've managed to stay healthy enough, especially the big players that need to be. And when they're at their best, they're pretty scary. They're 22-15, and 15, tied for sixth in the Western Conference. So six is important because that gets you out of any play-in situation. And f- just four games out of the top spot, currently held by Minnesota, who we know New Orleans went up there and handled the Timberwolves recently. People starting to talk with the trade deadline coming up next month. What what can they do to improve this? Happens every year. It's talk in every NBA market. 
I don't think right now that they need to do anything. I think they need to figure out whether they need to shoot more threes now since they're making them at a good clip. And and that is tricky because they're shooting threes in the bottom two or three as far as attempts per overall field goal attempt in the league, but shooting it like an elite team. Is part of that the fact that, yes, C.J. McCollum shooting a lot of those when Trey Murphy's healthy? He, of course, started the year injured, been banged up recently. You have those guys. You want them to shoot threes. But everybody else, based on the volume they're shooting, are certainly doing enough to keep people honest. That's good. But when you try to be the most efficient team you can be offensively, you can always tick up a little more. That said, the biggest issue right now is don't have another stretch where you blow big leads because the Pelicans are playing so well. They're they're leading a lot of games. When you're playing out from in front, when you're leading a large percentage of the minutes of your games, you've got a good team going. You don't have to change the personnel. And that's certainly a bright side. Certainly deserves more observation versus any major changes. But things could change pretty quickly between now and the deadline in February. 504-260-1061, the number. Got another caller, and it's TJ from New Orleans. What's going on, TJ? Hi, Jude. Good evening. Good evening. Hey, um, calling about college basketball. Um, I'm a UNO graduate and a fan, and um, go go to the game, have season tickets. And it seems like just my observation, I wanted to get your thoughts, and I'll hang up and listen, but it seems as though the new women's basketball coach they have um, seems like she may, you know, she's a pretty good coach. It seems like as the season's gone along, she's figured some things out and gotten a rotation, and they can be really competitive in in conference play. And on the other side of the men's, it just seems looking at the games that the league is a little bit, a little bit better overall and that you don't have a two or three like really bad teams and that judging from the game so far it seems like they're going to be a lot of uh, a lot of close games um, that go down to the last five minutes and uh, you know by the home or on the road but specifically at home but it just seems like that's the case I mean I know McNeese is the favorite and but they you know they got They've had, they've been challenged in close games their first two games. So um, I just I wanted to get your opinion on those two things. And uh, great show, and I'll hang up and listen. I appreciate that. And uh, obviously, as ESPN Plus broadcaster for both UNO men's and women's basketball, and every game for the men with the simulcasts here on 106.1 FM, I do know those teams pretty well. And I can tell you that Trelane Powell has come in and put her mark on the program pretty quickly. Uh, she's a coach on the women's side uh, on the Division Two level at Tuskegee where she was an instant hit. She had a great five-year run, and only COVID stopped her from averaging over 20 wins a year. She came right in and had success there, and she has a plan for what she wants to do on this level. And you could see her team go through a tough non-conference schedule 
and improve and take their lumps and try to find the right player combinations while developing players for the roles that her and her coaching staff were looking for. And you're impressed with how they came together at the end with a couple of non-conference wins and then able to jump out with a victory over A&M Commerce in their first game before the defending league champions, the favorite again this year, Southeastern Lions. Well, they played tight for three quarters, and then the Lions able to clamp down defensively in order to grab that win that happening this past Saturday. She's doing a really good job. And uh, the key for her, I thought, uh, taking the job was being able to re-recruit the core of the team that she inherited, that had some veteran players that understood playing in the Southland Conference that had still some untapped potential, and you're starting to see that play out and doing a really nice job there. So they will be fun to watch for UNO fans, as well as on the men's side. I can't argue with the fact that the conference is seemingly behind a McNeese team that may not be quite as good and dominant as they're made out to be. Maybe these point spreads we saw in their first two games that they didn't come close to covering. It's conference play, particularly on the road. Will Wade's team, they're the most talented team in the league, but they're not insanely deep. And they're not going to play and run you out of the gym too, too often. But Shahade Wells is a great guard, grad transfer, who sort of leads the charge there. And they're the favorite. And they will have a big home court advantage because they sold a lot of tickets. But it won't be easy because the rest of the league feels like it's going to be very tight, like TJ mentioned. I, I don't think there's any doubt that, like, UNO's first two games, in the end it was a two-minute two game in both of them. Fell to Southeastern. Then able to beat Anum Commerce yesterday here on 106.1. Coin flips. A play here, a play there. That's it. I think if you want to see exciting basketball, check out Mark Schlesinger's team the rest of the way. We're going to have a lot of games like that, the way this league is poised this year. And I'll say it once more, Jordan Johnson. 36 points yesterday. If you haven't seen him in person, he is a special, special college basketball player. And he gives the privateers a chance to win every night. Certainly did so yesterday. And next game for UNO on 1061 Saturday at the lakefront. We'll have pregame just around 4 o'clock. Tip off 15 minutes later following the women's game as part of a doubleheader. It's A&M Corpus Christi, last year's champions in the regular season and winners of the conference tournament, the Islanders and the Privateers meeting at Lakefront Arena again. Around 4 o'clock pregame will start here on 106.1 on Saturday. We'll come back to wrap things up in a moment here on All Access, coming at you each and every weekday night at 6 o'clock on 106.1 FM. Hi, I'm Keisha Swafford with Cumulus Radio and Digital. I specialize in growing businesses throughout the Crescent City. At Cumulus New Orleans, our four radio stations reach over 180,000 powerful consumers each week. And radio has proved to deliver a 10 to 1 return on investment for our advertisers. Plus, when you combine radio and digital assets, your success is even greater. If you need to grow your business, email me at Keisha.Swafford at Cumulus.com. That's Keisha.Swafford at Cumulus.com. It works. As a mom, comforting my family is what I do best. Vicks Vapor Stick provides soothing, non-medicated Vicks Vapors in an easy-to-apply stick. And it dries fast, so there's no mess. I use it to comfort myself <sighs> and my family. 
Thanks, Mom. Vicks VapoStick, soothing comfort for the whole family. And when you need more comfort for yourself, try Vicks Vapo Shower for steamy Vicks Vapors. Use as directed. VapoStick for use ages 4 and up. Vapo Shower use for adults only. We're going abroad for the first time in years. To Spain. So we started using Babbel. And started learning Spanish fast. With Babbel, you can start having conversations in another language in just three weeks. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. In just three weeks, we're starting to have conversations in Spanish. Gracias, Babbel. Babbel, language for life. Start learning a new language today at Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. When the final horn blows at the Allstate Sugar Bowl, the action is just beginning as another jam-packed year of Sugar Bowl activity lies just ahead. With over 55 annual events, including all Louisiana high school state championships, the Sugar Bowl support of amateur athletics adds up to big fun and big dollars for our economy. From the Crescent City Classic to lacrosse, sailing, basketball, and more, the Sugar Bowl has something for most everyone. For more on the great things the Sugar Bowl is doing, log on to AllStateSugarBowl.org. Sponsored by Allstate, Taco Bell, and Dr. Pepper. If you want to be treated right, you go to Bergeron. Bergeron will give you the best deal. You just know you can trust these people. They're from here. They get me. You know, buying a car doesn't have to be a scary experience. It's anything but a Bergeron. Everybody knows that. Everybody. I grew up with a Bergeron. I went to school with a Bergeron. This is the fourth car I've bought from here. That makes me a Bergeron. I'm a Bergeron. I'm a Bergeron. I'm a bourgeois. Get out of here. I'm a Bergeron. Everybody knows a Bergeron. Bergeron Automotive on Veterans in Metairie. As a mom, comforting my family is what I do best. Vicks Vapor Stick provides soothing, non-medicated Vicks Vapors in an easy-to-apply stick. And it dries fast, so there's no mess. I use it to comfort myself <sighs> and my family. <sighs> Thanks, Mom. Vicks Stick, soothing comfort for the whole family. And when you need more comfort for yourself, try Vicks Vapo Shower for steamy Vicks Vapors. Use as directed. Stick for use ages 4 and up. Vapo Shower use for adults only. We're going abroad for the first time in years. To Spain. So we started using Babbel. And started learning Spanish fast. With Babbel, you can start having conversations in another language in just three weeks. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? When you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. In just three weeks, we're starting to have conversations in Spanish. Gracias, Babbel. Babbel, language for life. Start learning a new language today at Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Hey, guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same but is 95% cheaper and you can get it online? Go to hymns.com slash joy. Through Hims, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, and the process is 100% online. To start your free online visit, go to hymns.com slash joy. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash J-O-Y. Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have meaningful, constructive dialogue on all access with Jude Young on 106.1 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call, 504-260-1061. Plenty of good stuff on CrescentCitySports.com that you should be checking out right now, including Ken Trahan's op-ed on the questions that we talked about in the first segment of this show with the Saints players doing their thing when Dennis Allen didn't want it done. And my thoughts on that, if you missed it earlier, we podcast every show on Crescent City Sports. 
that Ken and I do here on 106.1 FM. Check the podcasting section out through Spotify. Also, headlines. Two assistant Saints GMs being interviewed by other teams. Jeff Ireland with the Chargers and the Panthers talking to Kai Harley. That's your scouting man and your salary cap guru. That could lead to some big changes as far as how this team is built moving forward if both of them wound up leaving. And because of the minority hiring rules in the NFL if Harley leaves, the Saints would get a third-round pick for it, like they did with Terry Fontenot, who went over, of course, to the rival Falcons. Also, Renee Nato talking about LSU's defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, how he brings the right tools for success. Well, he better. He's got a lot of work to do. Mason Smith, the latest LSU defensive lineman to declare for the draft. LSU's going to have to replace their whole starting defensive line from a bad defense. Good luck, Blake. We'll talk about all those topics and more when I'm back here next week. But remember, again, UNO basketball on Saturday at 4 coming at you. That's when you'll hear from me next. Until then, for Rudy Dixon in the Cumulus New Orleans studios, I'm Jude Young saying bye, y'all.